0: Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York, and today we'll be discussing the topic of evangelism and contextualization. We've spoken before on the podcast addressing the question, what is evangelism? And we've tried a few different ways of answering that question, but let me review briefly before we go on. Uh, On the one hand, evangelism is the proclamation about the kingdom of God coming into our world. And this is a reality that centers around the person of Jesus of Nazareth, his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. And while it would be easy to veer off on this into a discussion about theology, I want to keep most of our conversation today centered more in the realm of communication. Because at the end of the day, and where I think most Christians actually struggle, evangelism uh, is about understanding ways of speaking and relating to other people. And many of us spend so much time thinking about getting the exact theological content of the message corrected that we often forget to think about the best ways to actually interact with and communicate with our friends and neighbors. So when we're thinking about evangelism, especially for cross-cultural and diaspora work, I would argue that it's our responsibility as missionary workers to ensure that we speak effectively to the cultures of others. As I mentioned back in episode one and two of the podcast, a lot of the evangelism that I see in different cities around the country fails to consider whether or not uh, a lot of the language and the concepts that we're utilizing are understood or readily translate into our neighbor's culture. And when we don't stop and think about whether or not the things that we say, even if they may be true, whether those things make sense or they can be readily understood by our neighbors, especially our neighbors that are from another culture, then we probably aren't taking a very loving approach to ministry and we're probably not doing very good evangelism either. So what's the alternative? Our team at GCMI would suggest that the clearest model of effective and loving evangelism is in Jesus. And the means through which Jesus did this is very much tied up in the incarnation Jesus took on flesh and fully immersed himself into the forms, the structures, and the relational dynamics of his context in first century Palestine in order to effectively communicate the good news about God's kingdom. And we see this continuing on through scripture. We see in Acts the way that the apostles adapted their proclamation of the gospel based on whether they were speaking to a Greek audience or a Jewish audience. And we see that this affects where and how they start proclaiming this message, Especially as they address particular theological and ethical issues in various settings. So, whether we see people in the New Testament proclaiming the gospel, it changes depending on whether the audience is pagan or Jewish or god fearing Greeks, you know, etc. So, the early Christian leaders in our New Testament narratives and the epistles, they naturally seem to understand that the nuances of culture and the regions they live in affect how they communicate the gospel, and they were working in one of the earliest forms of a globalized context under the imposition of the Roman Empire. Another way to say that is that the early church was full of diaspora missionaries. So if we're following Jesus' example and trying to put into practice what we see evangelism looking like in the New Testament, my hope would be that that gets us closer to a healthy model of contextualization in evangelism. Again, I would argue that if We seek to enter as fully as possible into the cultures and language and concepts of our diaspora neighbors and do our to the best of our ability to try and become all things to all peoples. We're going to better communicate the message of kingdom in every context that we come in contact with. And this again, this thinking about the way that communication and discipleship relates to culture. This is what we mean by contextualization. Contextualization is any way in which we try to communicate the gospel of Christ within a specific cultural context. And the central message of the gospel, I I think, is universal and I think it's constant. But the gospel is always embodied within cultures and cultural expression. And if we fail to recognize the role that culture plays in how we communicate and how we interpret things, we're probably going to be blind to the impact that our own background And our own experiences have in helping others come to understand and apply the message that we see in jesus let me give a quick example of one time that i experienced this Uh, i was in a conversation with some relatively new missionaries some years ago and in this instance i was bemoaning having recently seen an argument take place between an evangelist in the neighborhood that i was working in and some muslim friends of mine and in this argument the the christian in question was trying to share their faith through demonstrating why Islam and Islamic faith was insufficient to make one righteous before God. And I was pointing out to my conversation partners that in using this language, they were using a lot of concepts like justification and righteousness, these very theologically loaded terms, which are all over the New Testament. They're very biblical language. But in doing this, my fellow evangelist was not only not really considering whether or not those concepts were known or readily understood or translated to the culture of my Muslim friends. But I said they also failed to consider the way in which justice uh, played into the idea of justification and righteousness. So I suggested that in this very pious Muslim community, which is often uh, also a very persecuted immigrant community, they might be better off trying to begin with the idea of God's concern for justice for the alien and the foreigner and the refugee And this might be a better bridge to initially begin sharing our faith. And in this conversation after the fact, one of my uh, dialogue partners corrected me and he said, you know, justice and righteousness, those are two very different issues in Scripture. And I responded by pointing out that they're actually not that in in the New Testament, the Greek words for justice and righteousness are the same. And the fact that in this gospel presentation, they were being divorced and we didn't see how they correlated to one another was actually a result of our own experience and tradition of translating scripture. And so this is something that within our culture has been separated. And because we're not thinking critically about contextualization and the way that our own culture has affected how we interpret scripture, we're missing an opportunity to probably better uh, begin sharing our faith cross culturally with our neighbors. So the point here was not necessarily about Greek or, you know, more theological concepts but rather that when we start sharing the gospel, we want to communicate the message as responsibly as we can. But often we work on the assumption that our own understanding of the gospel is not influenced by culture. Or maybe we believe that the failure of others to understand the message that we bring is an indication that this is an area of their culture that needs to be changed or reformed. And occasionally that may be true. That may be the case on, on some issues. But I think that more often we should be self-critical And thinking about how we might better initiate and imitate a more incarnational approach to communication and relationship and something that we see closer to what's modeled through Jesus and the apostles. Because at the end of the day, our desire as missionaries is for our friends and neighbors to understand the basic thrust of the message about kingdom and what God is up to in the world and to allow our neighbors to wrestle with the implications of that for their own cultural context. And hopefully, as they become followers of Jesus, what we want to see happen is that they're empowered to plainly share the message of Christ with their own family and friends and neighbors in a manner that others, too, can understand and embrace the gospel within their own culture. So in this way, the majority of contextualization throughout a missionary's work is going to take place between cultural insiders. But in order to to empower the people that we disciple to contextualize the gospel for themselves, our cross-cultural friends need to first hear it in a form which they're able to understand and interpret. And every culture is going to have its own bridges and barriers to the gospel. We can't change what the message is. But if we assume that our own concerns, customs, ideas, prejudices, etc., are automatically aligned, not only with everything in scripture, but with uh, everything from another culture or a person from a different background, we really assume too much. And as a result, we're probably going to talk past people and we're going to misjudge who's spiritually receptive. So we need to learn to listen well in order to be effective messengers of the gospel across cultural boundaries in our city. So with that being the case, there's two forms of contextualization I want to talk about today. And these are what our team refers to as formal contextualization and conceptual contextualization. So formal contextualization deals with what forms social relationships take in culture. Uh, It's essentially guided by questions like the following. Uh, How do people communicate here? This may be in regards to the methods of communication. So when people interact in normal relationship, do they tell stories? Uh, Are parables recognized and understood? How common are proverbs in this culture and what is their relationship to tradition and wisdom? Uh, Does this culture have songs which are commonly known and invested with meaning Is debate a normal means of discussing truth, or is it shameful between friends? How does religion interface with technology? We want to ask all these questions basically to say, what are the ways that people communicate with one another in the culture in which we're working when it comes to matters that are important and that are intimate? And these are the types of questions we want to explore when we're discerning the best manner or form for proclaiming the gospel to our neighbors. Formal contextualization may pertain to vocabulary, uh, so, for example, when we're working with Muslims, it might be good to use Arabic terms that they have in common with ours. So Allah for God or Isa for Jesus or Injil for gospel. These are literally just transliterated terms. They don't change meanings, but it may help us communicate better. Uh, and also, when we're working with people who are raised outside of a tradition of Christendom, we need to be careful to avoid using technical theological language or quote unquote church speak which tends to be insider vocabulary and the meaning of which is not obvious to people who are raised outside of that context. Because even if our friends share some of our same language, they may mean different things than we do. And we need to be sensitive to that when we're trying to share our faith. Uh, So, for instance, our team realized pretty early on in New York that using the word Christian in certain Latino communities wasn't always the best way to communicate something about our faith status. And this was because for many of our Latino friends, especially in the Bronx, the language of Christian and Catholic was readily used, but it didn't actually suggest anything about practice or personal faith so much as about heritage. Um, so while in the context that I grew up in, out in West Texas, Christian meant something very particular about your beliefs, for my Latino friends in the Bronx, for many of them, telling them that I was a Christian basically communicated that I wasn't baptized Catholic and not much more. And it didn't suggest much about my own practices or values. So for these reasons, we started saying things like, uh, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. And this is not because the language of Christianity is bad. It's in scripture. It's good language. I like it. But when it came time to try to communicate about our faith in, in the neighborhoods we were working in, we needed to figure out a way to distinguish from known categories that had different meaning than the ones that we meant. And Christian was one of these. And so we wanted to define ourselves in ways that allowed us to point more truly to what we were trying to say about our faith in Jesus. In addition to vocabulary, formal contextualization might also deal with the social structures of the culture in which we're working. So we want to ask questions here like, uh, is it appropriate for men to speak to women who are not family in a public setting or vice versa? Uh, Should adults pay less attention or more attention to children or should uh, we give extra honor to elderly people? Uh, what does a spiritual person look like in this culture? Uh, so, for example, one of the people that we work with in New York um, who works in the West African community, they came back from a trip where they were visiting family uh, over the holidays. And when they came back, their African Muslim friends, they told this individual, uh, oh, we can no longer trust you as a teacher about Jesus. And he asked him why, and they said, Oh, well, everyone knows that religious teachers have beards and you shaved off your beard while you were gone. And so to that to them, that indicated that he no longer considers himself a religious teacher. This is a matter of formal contextualization, right? We want to think about the various elements of speech and relationships and symbols within a culture so that we can best contextualize our message to be readily understood and interpreted by our neighbors. So the other form of contextualization we're going to talk about today is conceptual contextualization. And as the name suggests, this deals with adapting concepts in ways which speak to the culture of our neighbors. So do analogies exist in this culture that might help explain the atonement and might sin be understood differently in this culture than ours? So maybe as shame rather than guilt or as being under the authority of demonic powers so that salvation means liberation. Uh, and we might ask how political certain theological language is, like justification and liberation. Are those political terms? What is the experience here with imperialism and colonialism that might affect how that's heard? Basically, we want to think that about when our neighbors hear the gospel, how are different cultures and some cultures going to interpret the message because of the conceptual frameworks that they have, and how might this affect the questions with which they respond? and which emerge from the disparate understandings and values within a culture. So, for example, uh, I've spoken before about working in the Bangladeshi community for my first couple of years in New York. And in sharing my faith in the Bengali neighborhoods, my Hindu friends, in one sense, had very little difficulty understanding the notion of Trinity that exists within Christian belief. In another sense, though, they seem to think that that confirmed a belief in polytheism. And so when I was talking about God and about scripture with my Hindu friends, uh, I had to think in terms of Jesus being supreme and Lord over any other gods or idols. And a lot of the first stages of evangelism, our spiritual conversations would deal with my belief and trust in Jesus outside of another uh, pantheon of gods and the elevation of God above idols and actually this is language we see a lot in the old testament but i was working from here and trying to start spiritual conversations with my hindu friends in the bengali community and in contrast to this as i was sharing with my muslim friends i definitely wasn't going to start by talking about uh worshiping jesus above other gods because my friends were in the muslim community were pretty strictly monotheistic and with them i talked a lot about jesus authority as a prophet and interpreter of the religious law, similar to how we see Jesus depicted in comparison to Moses in the Gospel of Matthew. And to me, this seemed like good conceptual contextualization, because in Islam, there's already a value for the role of prophets and religious law. And there's a lot of direct references to Jesus in the Quran. So again, in this community, we have two very different conceptual points to start with and try to nuance and communicate cross-culturally through And as an evangelist working in a predominantly South Asian neighborhood in New York, where Hindus and Muslims not only live next door to one another, but work in the same businesses, hang out in the same places, I need to be critical about how I present the gospel differently to my Hindu friends than my Muslim friends. And this is not me trying to change or water down the content of the gospel, but trying to think critically about how the message is going to be heard and where to begin and what language and concepts to utilize that are going to act as bridges for my initial spiritual conversations in this community. And while we want every new disciple to increasingly grow, to have a fuller and deeper understanding of gospel, every culture or subculture is going to have its own starting point. And the question we need to ask when we enter a community as an evangelist is what are the initial bridges between the existing concepts, language and values of this culture and the gospel of Jesus Christ? And recognizing those cultural bridges is going to allow us, hopefully, as a Christian witness, to begin on a more common ground and to be more readily understood as we're communicating the gospel. So contextual contextualization is probably the more difficult of the two, but at times it's also the more essential. Uh, We need to be able to tell the story of Jesus in ways that can be readily understood as relevant to our diaspora neighbor's culture. But in doing so, we can't go too far because we'll end up sacrificing the integrity of the message and slip into what we call syncretism. I'm actually going to hold off on talking about syncretism until the next episode of our podcast, but I do want to issue that warning. Uh, but for now, I just want to camp out on the basic idea of contextualization and try to offer some guidance and tools for learning about the different cultures in our cities and to assist us in making strategic decisions uh, for the sake of reaching our diaspora neighbors with the message of Jesus. So let me end on something of a word of caution. I think when we're talking about contextualization, there are two primary dangers for us as cross-cultural evangelists. The first danger is in believing that we as the missionary can have as deep an understanding of the culture as people who were born and raised inside of it. Uh, Although Jesus is our model, like we said at the beginning, for cross-cultural ministry, We're never going to be able to incarnate ourselves into a new people or context the way that he did. And I think it's arrogant to assume that we'll ever fully shed our own cultural baggage or take on the culture of another person. And when we do this, this kind of arrogance can lead us to believe that we know exactly how the gospel should be heard in this culture, how it should be interpreted in every way that it's going to be applied. And when we do this, We treat our neighbors if they're not fit to understand and interpret scripture for themselves. And this is more in keeping with colonialism than the humility that we see demonstrated in Jesus. At the end of the day, we can't hear the gospel for anyone else or for any other culture. And while we can try to guide other people, we can't decide for them how they're going to respond. At our best, we're facilitators that deliver the message with as many attempts as possible to move it outside of our own cultural context. And into the forms and language and structures that allow others a fair hearing of the gospel. And this is not the same thing as telling others how they have to interpret or respond to it. We always have to admit how limited we are as cross-cultural workers to fully contextualize the gospel for anyone else. The other danger is in deluding ourselves about our ability to share the gospel in a way which is neutral or outside of culture. Culture is the water that we swim in as human beings. Culture is the lens through which we see the world, and no one is ever completely outside of culture, and really the gospel itself in scripture is given to us through the means of the culture in which Jesus and the apostles lived. When we read the four gospels, they are different accounts of Jesus adapted to different cultural context, and they use different language and different stories for that reason. So another way of saying that is in every form that we encounter Jesus and encounter the message about the kingdom of God. It's an acculturated concept. And so it's the duty of the missionary to be aware of how inescapable culture is in relationship to communication and to interacting with others. And this affects how we proclaim the gospel. There's no way to simply tell the story of the good news that is outside of culture. We always have to acknowledge that our understanding and the way that we tell and relate to others the story of Jesus Is affected by our own cultural experiences and background and this is one of the reasons why in our work with GCMI we use tools like discovery Bible study and inductive teaching styles and we talked about this back in episode 11 of the podcast if you want to go check that out but we are trying to make and utilize tools which help us to a large degree communicate uh, not simply through our experience as missionaries but bring people directly into engaging scripture for themselves And in this way, we're seeking to maximize the potential for new believers to become disciple makers in their own right and communicate well within their own cultural context, rather than just repeating things that we said that may be foreign to their friends and families. Uh, Even so, we're only able to enter into the inductive study of Scripture after identifying spiritually interested people in the community. And we do this by sharing our faith in everyday conversations. And it's in these initial conversations especially that we need to be aware of how great our, our duty is to think in terms of contextualization. I mean, for our team, even the decision to try and evangelize through inductive discovery-based teaching styles, that's a decision about contextualization. As evangelists, it's important to realize that every testimony we share, every story we choose to tell, every section of scripture we choose to study or not study in an evangelistic group, these are decisions and judgment calls about contextualization. And if we fail to acknowledge this, normally that means that we're going to choose to keep the message contextualized the way it is within our own culture. And as a result, we may end up communicating the gospel in ways that are foreign and that create unnecessary obstacles for the hearer. And we do that because it is still very comfortable to our ears. And we don't want to do the hard work of thinking critically about our role as the messenger. So the key step here is to try and speak to and relate to others in ways that they can understand and to the best of our ability, though not perfectly, to minimize the impact of our own cultural traditions and assumptions so that hopefully new believers in Christ can hear and believe and then express the truths of the gospel in ways that make sense to their own culture and their own context. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Global City Mission podcast. All of today's discussion can be found in our book, Mosaic, a ministry handbook for a globalizing world, which you can find on Amazon. Uh, You can learn more about GCMI on our website at globalcitymission.org or by visiting us on our Facebook and Twitter.